Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Saturday Reaction episode. Oh boy, Dave, I, I don't know where to begin. I'm Ari Wasserman. Let's start there. You're David Ubbin. <laughs> and I want everybody to know that Dave had leftovers from the melting pot for dinner tonight. So if you thought tonight was going to be normal, then you were, you were clearly mistaken. So Now let's clarify the- real quickly. Leftovers from the melting pot from my wife's birthday dinner last night that we, we took from the restaurant uncooked. So I cooked them on the stove tonight. Not really. You could take raw meat as. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man. (laughs) The the waitress was kind of was kind of like, "Are you sure about the temperatures?" Like, we're good, we're good. So. (laughs) (laughs) David Ubbin starts off the show. By acknowledging he took raw, uncooked meat home in a box for leftovers. You are a... (laughs) How are we supposed to do a live show? Man, this is unbelievable. Like, just when I think you can't get weirder, you go and do... What do you do? Like, take blocks of cheese home and put them on the stove and melt it and everything? That is bizarre. We'll get into that in a little bit. Just that do is one bizarre. course at home. But anyway, yeah, we got to talk actual football, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah, you cooked the meat. <laughs> all right, all right. I was trying to hold us together. So USC just lost. It bet on its defense and won, then doubled down on its defense and lost. USC's out of the college football playoff race. That's the game that we just got done watching here live. Um, but it was a full day. Uh, before we get into the into the games and, and into the reaction to everything that happened, I just wanted to officially welcome everybody to the Until Saturday Week 8 Reaction Edition. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube channel if you're here with us live. And if you're listening to this on Sunday morning, please do the same with the podcast feed. Anything that we can do interaction-wise, share-wise, review-wise um, helps us continue to grow this podcast feed, which is, of course... Uh, something that we care about very deeply, and we cannot do it without your help. Um, and on Sunday, we will be live again to break down everything else once the du- the dust settles. Uh, if you want your voices recorded and played on the show, please leave a voicemail on the Until Saturday tip line. That's 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. Tell us your feelings about this college football Saturday, the playoff race, all the things that are happening, and whether or not you would ever take raw meat home from a restaurant. Um, lastly, <laughs> sign up for the Until Saturday. Saturday newsletter aptly named the same exact thing. Um, you will get all of your daily fills into your email from the athletic college football coverage. You do not have to be subscribed to the athletic in order to subscribe to this newsletter. The we link can be, be found in the show's description. And if you're not subscribed to the athletic, we've got a lot of reporters on the road, seeing all the big games. I'm not necessarily sure what to do with you. Um, but thanks so much for coming. If you're watching this uh, live on the YouTube channel Saturday night, please forgive us for the outdated graphics. Uh, our producer, Camelina, is out on his honeymoon somewhere in, in Turks and Caicos. 
uh, sipping a pina colada, looking at a, a beautiful sunset, and unfortunately, life balance, baby. We we are not uh, properly trained on this machine, so we're doing our best. We're live. We figured that out. That's the most important thing. Uh, we will get as many of your comments from the live chat onto the screen to cover that in order to try to make up for the fact that we don't know how to do graphics yet, which we will learn. Um, okay, Dave. Yeah. We have major upsets today. We have huge uh, results in conference race, conference races. But let's just start at the top here. The play, of the, the play in, the, in the game of the day, the game that everybody was talking about, wasn't a particularly great game to watch if you're into offense and big plays, but it thought it was a revelatory game. Talk about the uh, Iowa Ohio, punt return, right? Yeah, we're talking about the Iowa punt return. We'll get to that too. I've got I've got some strong <laughs> takes about that, which I might write in uh, a column at some point this week. But the Ohio State-Penn State game, the first big piece of context that we were going to get in that Big Ten East race, um, you know, we came into the season unsure about whether or not Penn State would be able to come in and, and make a push for the playoff in the last year of the uh, four-team uh edition of this college football playoff field. Uh, it did not do what we thought it could do um, in Columbus, Ohio on Saturday, losing to the Buckeyes 20 to 12. I think they went 0 for 13 on third down conversions. It felt like they couldn't score until the very end. Um, Dave, just how yeah. do you contextualize uh, what you saw from the Penn state game? And how do you uh, think that kind of set the table for the Saturday that we had well, I think if you're Ohio State, you got to feel obviously really good about your defense um, that acquitted itself very well. What does Penn State have on offense? I'm not really sure. I don't think they had the, the receivers to test the, the secondary. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a great defensive performance. Anytime, you know, they have essentially six points uh, with a garbage time touchdown there, you got to feel good. And, and if you're going to say the Penn State's not going to be able to score a touchdown um, until the last, what, minute and a half or whatever of the game when the game was pretty much in hand you know you're going to win that game now i think this ohio state team has got to get better before they play michigan uh in what five weeks so that's gotta happen but if you're ohio state these are the games that you don't need style points yeah there's a lot of things if you're the buckeyes you're looking at and you're saying i don't love that i don't love that they've got to be more uh, efficient uh they've got to be more efficient through the air all of those things, but they won the game, win the game. Um, these are the games that define your season and get you closer to the playoff. So shout out to Ohio State for winning that game. And if you're Penn State, if not now, win. I sent you a text message about your mic. I don't think that it's it's uh, plugged in correctly. So I just wanted to say that to you so you can check it. I got you. Um, um, I think the biggest takeaway from this game, you know, and people are going to want to talk about Ohio State is going to be the James Franklin um, takeaways here. Um, We're back. Yeah, we are back. You sound great. When is he going to win this game? And I know that Penn State season's yeah. not over. I know they still have a home game against Michigan where things could get you know back into favor. Their playoff hopes are not completely dead. But from what we saw from the product of it, I'm not necessarily sure the thought process is, well, Penn State still has a shot here. It's like they didn't really feel like they were in position to actually win that football game no. at all. There were times where it was a no. one-possession game where they had the ball in the second half, and it still just didn't feel like a touchdown was possible. So kudos to Ohio State for winning the game um, the way that they did with with defense. 
especially considering the fact that their number one corner, Denzel Bork, didn't play. Their top two running backs weren't in the game. They didn't have a Mecca Igbuka. There were a lot of important missing pieces on Ohio State's team that did not play, and yet Penn State could not get the job done. And the thing with Penn State that I think is the most interesting dynamic is that coming into the year, Clemson of all the lost, years, sorry. Clemson just lost. Of all the years where we felt like Penn State could do it, you know, all they had to do was split the Big Ten East big games, Ohio State, Michigan. Like, this was a very susceptible Ohio State team. Like, I don't think that we sat there and saw an Ohio State juggernaut, right? Now, I'm going to give them no. their flowers. I think that they could certainly beat Michigan this year. I think they could make the playoff. And hell, with the way that things look in the entire landscape of the country, I think that Ohio State could win a national championship this year. And I can say that with a straight face, but if, if Penn State had one dynamic offensive playmaker on their team, they could have won that football game, and they didn't. And I think that there are some people who are going to, um, you know, give Drew Aller a hard time. He didn't play particularly well. He missed some throws. But there was really nobody out. I mean, I, did they hit a single pass downfield the entire game? Did they have a play of 25 yards or more in the entire game? If they did, it was uh, completely long, They did have a 34-yard pass. I, I okay, don't Okay, they did. That, I don't even recall that play. Um, he, which here's means the thing, though, Ari, Out of all that, though, nine carries for Nick Singleton, nine carries for Katron Allen. That's a problem to me. Well, they weren't getting yards. Well, they got enough yards. Uh, 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 You got to keep working it. Five and a half yards a carry for Singleton, a little under three for Catron Allen. At the end of the day, you got to get those guys more touches and a little creativity, get them in space. They don't have to always have to be running between the tackles downhill. Those guys are tough to bring down in the open field. And yes, Ohio State has athletes, but there just wasn't a lot of creativity. Um, And Penn State's defense played well enough to win this game, make it a competitive game. And it, it, it wasn't even, I mean, it was sort of competitive, but Ohio State controlled that game for the second half. Yeah, I mean, I never really considered the notion that Ohio State would lose that game. It just yeah. didn't seem that they had Penn State, this is uh, the firepower to get it done. And the thing that I think is most fascinating, and, and you know, Penn State fans might want to pull their hair out when they hear me say this, but the top two receivers on Ohio State's team uh, on the field are from Pennsylvania, one of whom is Marvin Harrison. And I feel like the game would be as simple as, if you could recruit Philadelphia a little bit better and get that guy in your team, uh, and he's on Penn State, not Ohio State, the game might might be different. So uh, here are the statistics that you have to say, and, and I think that the number one overarching thought process is James Franklin. He is now three and sixteen against top ten teams at Penn State. He is now one and thirteen first top ten editions of Michigan and Ohio State. He is now zero and ten first top teams. Uh, on the road, all while at Penn State. And at a certain point, that goes from being a, well, let's think that they're in the Big Ten East, which is the toughest division in college football, too. That's your legacy there. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I tweeted during the game that this is a pretty big legacy game for Penn State, and Penn State fans pushed back at me a little bit about that. And I thought, well, if this isn't a legacy game for him, then when is it going to be? Like, how many years does it take for you to be put in a position where you expect to win this football game? And if you expect to win this football game and you don't, then you're held accountable for it. And I think that the funniest thing about it is when Penn State gave James Franklin this God contract, I think it was after the Mel Tucker scenario. um, I thought to myself, do Penn State fans even love him enough to want this scenario? And now, like, they're not going to go fire the guy. And I'm not saying they should because they're a pretty good football team. But this is not good enough if this is the peak of Penn State. And are we are we sure that this isn't the peak well, of Penn State? 
I mean, some of that stuff, I, I I don't recall the timing of the James Franklin contract. Was that when Tennessee was coming after him? I think it was I think it was after Mel Tucker. That's all I okay. know. And I and there was well, a USC I, I rumors that, that at the time. And- that that contract, yeah, that contract isn't real there there's two times you gotta pay a guy when he exceeds your expectations or wins something that we haven't seen at that school in a long time, or when you gotta keep your coach. And I think that's a little bit of both in terms of you know, if you're James Franklin, why is Mel Tucker, who had one good year, making more money than me? And if you wanted me to stay away from USC, keep me. So the contract is sort of secondary. I don't know that the contract says, well, we gave him this contract because we love him because he's taking Penn State to new heights. At the end of the day, you feel like he's the best guy for the job. You don't want to be on a coach search. Um, so that's what we're going to pay. That's the price of doing business. So the contract sort of convoluted to to your points, which are correct, which are... I mean, I, I said it with, at the top. If you're not going to do it now, when this is the best team that Penn State has had, maybe ever, probably ever under James Franklin, and Ohio State is rebuilding, uh, doesn't really have a game changer at quarterback for the first time in like 85 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's what you put out on the on the field. I know you're on the road. I know it's tough, and it's one thing to lose that game. It's another to be totally hopeless on offense and not score a touchdown until the game is well in hand. That's a problem. We need to take Zinter here um, said this, and I think that it's it's true. I think I want to take two minutes to give Ohio State their flowers before we move on. For them to be missing the pieces that they were missing, uh, for them to come into this game against a top 10 opponent and dominate it for the most part. Now the scoreboard wasn't lopsided. Um, I think that we spend a lot of time critiquing, or at least I do critiquing Ohio state for not winning enough against teams that are overmatched and not giving them enough credit when they beat a top 10 team. There's no such thing as a bad win when you're playing a team that's a top 10 team. And we might come to find out that Penn state is actually legitimately a top seven team in the country this year. And if they are, you beat them, and not only that, you put them in a position where they couldn't. It felt like they couldn't score. Like they, they need to be given the credit for that. Now, obviously, Ohio State will ultimately be judged on whether or not they beat Michigan at the end of the year, and you know, get that rivalry back on on the same footing. But you know, as Kyle McCord continues to progress, um, as the team continues to get healthier, as they go down the stretch here. I really do believe that they have the talent, if everything clicks, to potentially win a national championship this year. And I think that people think that's nuts. Um, I do wonder if, and Ralph Russo said this to us, our our guest on Thursday texted this today, but I don't know if we're being tricked into a viewpoint that the entire country is this you know, game filled with parody and we have no idea who's going to win and then Georgia's just going to rock shit at the end of the year and kill everybody and just win the game. Possibly. but Ohio State, I think, from an athletic standpoint, matches up well with Georgia on that field, as we saw last year, um, especially if they get going. Now, the way that we've learned to judge Ohio State or view them the last few years is Ohio State has a bunch of offensive skill positions. They can score 50 points a game against anybody in the country, and that's how they're going to win or battle in these games. Um, I don't know if that's true this year. I don't know if Kyle McCord is that dude yet, you know, maybe he'll turn into that. Eventually. He might be, he's but not he's, he's not going to be in 2023. I don't, I don't see yeah. a quarterback that's going to win you a national so championship. So the point here is, is that Ohio state's defense under Jim Knowles, who's making two, two mil a year 
to coordinate that defense is a legitimately really, really good defense. And, yeah. um, you know, if Ohio State wins games defensively, it might be a different style, but maybe they're built more like Georgia was last year and the year before than they were than Ohio State last year. They still have the dudes on the team that are going to get drafted. So, um, yeah. and when you play in a dome against a really good team, you have Marvin Harrison, he's going to get open. I don't care if some dude with no arms is throwing the ball. So He was insane today. Yeah, that, he, I mean, he cannot be He's covered. just, like... Listen, I think Ryan Day hit it up uh, or mentioned it, you know, in his post game of like, everybody knows they're going to try and take Marvin away, especially when Ibuka is not playing. And for him to do that today, where there are multiple times he's running free, credit to Ryan Day for scheming that and credit to Marvin Harrison to be able to run those routes and get open in the way that he can. I mean, Marvin Harrison... Listen, if you want to make a case for him as the best player in the country, I know the production hadn't been there. You know, the Blitnikoff Award stuff is always pretty... It's kind of weird. You get tied into who's the best player. Sometimes guys have gaudy production or 20 touchdowns or whatever. I haven't seen a receiver play better than Marvin Harrison does when he needs to. I don't you know, think anybody in the country plays their position better than Marvin Harrison plays his position. I mean, let's not I, let's not let's not shade Brock Bowers, Ari. Well, he's not even playing. I know right he's now, got a so, bum ankle, I mean, but yeah, like but like Brock Bowers, yeah, I would probably say. It's the only person better. that you could you could make a case for and you could say that potentially Brock Bowers is the best tight end prospect in the NFL as seen at this level. So um, there are whatever. I'm not going to split hairs with you about Brock Bowers. The point is, the, is that the they're chat's both bringing up Keon Coleman, which is true. Keon, Keon Coleman is really, a really contested good. ball specialist, yeah. but I think Keon Coleman is not nearly as good at getting open, which I think is a more valuable skill to a receiver than Marvin Harrison Jr. is. So I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the complete package, and if he doesn't turn in to Justin Jefferson in the NFL, then something went yeah. wrong with him. Yeah. Like that, like so, like you know, well, Keon that Coleman's means he got incredible. drafted by the Bears. <laughs> yeah, or that means the Browns drafted him. I don't know which uh, yeah. which one it is, but. Um, I think that was a really exciting uh, Big Ten game. I think we learned that Penn State, uh, you know, unfortunately isn't exactly who we thought they were going to be. And Ohio State continues on. I think that Ohio State, there's a a certain level of inevitability that exists the same way that it does with Alabama. Um, their next five games are Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota. And then five weeks from now, we're going to get some answers to some questions that um, kind of loom over Ryan Day for an entire year. So big I gotta get my Ohio State multi view on here, Ari. Yeah, yeah. No, no nitpicking from me. I hope Ohio <laughs> State fans are are happy to hear that, and we will se- we'll segue into the next thing. But before we segue into the next game here, Dave, um, yes. as you say, you're gonna find Pac-12 Network. Michael Penix Jr. I believe has three turnovers in the first half in Washington. No, it's on. Four. It's on Fox Sports One. I, I just had to get my multi view on. I, I I still had Clemson on, and that Arizona State over. is leading as we do this uh, at 11 p.m. Central Scatabo. time. <laughs> Six seven nothing here uh, with 4:22 oh, remaining in the baby. first half, and our Heisman straw poll leader is uh, turning the ball over a lot. So, you know, it's been a weird day. Um, teams. I think maybe one of the bigger upsets that we've seen um, is North Carolina losing to Virginia outright, which is just unbelievably unfathomable. Virginia Um, has played a much better football, um, you know, the last few weeks than than the team that that started the year. Um, You know, they they lost to. Tennessee by like five touchdowns to start the year. <clears throat> we're we're zero and five, but we're competitive. They've been hanging in some ACC games. That's inexcusable from North Carolina, and you want us to take you seriously. And Ari, you know, I, I think that you you've mentioned uh, who was it that you compared uh, North Carolina to? Was it USC? Um, 
I said that if we're going to take USC seriously yeah, yeah, yeah. as a that, national championship contender, then yes. we are we cannot dismiss UNC, who is built very similarly. Yes, they and are. now that looks really hilarious because now both I think their their defensive front is better uh, most of the time. But this is this goes back to sort of the Texas point too, Arya, that North Carolina you don't trust them. I, I that's why people were I was getting I was getting some. Uh, uh, some angry uh, comments and tweets when I'm on our hot takes story that we did revisiting the preseason hot takes. I said, we get a ACC championship with two undefeated teams. That felt like a hot take to me because I just looked down. And I was like, I, I think I actually trust this Ohio state or I mean, this, uh, this North Carolina team. And sure enough, as 23 point favorites at home, they lose to Virginia now inexcusable. But I will say uh, for Mike Collins, who I covered after the shooting last year, talked to his dad, some, I mean, that program has been through a lot. Um, a cool moment for him to get three touchdowns today and not have to be the GOAT after that crazy fumble um, to force the touchback. So two sides of the coin there. Uh, absolutely unbelievable loss for North Carolina that really does mar a season because I'm not sure that even if they're an 11-1 or 12-1 ACC champion, they're, they're probably still not getting in the playoff. I don't think they have the wins. South Carolina is not going to hold up. But – uh, shout out to Virginia because that was cool seeing the players uh, and seeing Tony Elliott talk about how much that means to the program um, and, and to get a win like that. Their first top 10 road win ever, if I'm not mistaken. So Tony Elliott to has Virginia. as many top 10 road wins at Virginia as James Franklin does at Penn State. That's sorry, true, but no, I, sorry, I one more. Even, sorry, more. I don't even want to, but I don't even want to get James Franklin involved in it because Tony Elliott has had a rough go at Virginia. Obviously, last year, I mean, I I went there. I spent Buddy, time. He has I, I've been more around. wins than James. I know, Franklin but I'm, Virginia. my only point is okay. just I don't really want to make this Virginia win about Penn State. I think Virginia deserves this on their own to have a game like this play out the way that it did, um, then bouncing back, getting a couple huge defensive stops against. Uh, your number one pick in the NFL draft next year, Ari. Yeah, um, it was cool might, to see might actually be the number one pick in the draft. By the way, uh, we'll get to we'll get Caleb, to Caleb. Caleb we'll, we'll the get Caleb, to Caleb people here. were coming out today. So yeah, there are some Caleb people. There also too, like, and I don't know. If, I got to read more about this, but hearing some potential offseason grab ass with Caleb in terms of wanting to play for certain teams and returning the ownership to USC thing is and all that stuff. I, the ownership they, thing that can't happen. Um, can it not like, happen? Is it? Is I mean, I th- I, my understanding was that Mahomes tried during his contract negotiations, and there was some sort of NFL rule hmm. or something about. Yeah, I could that, see that I prevented that from happening. But I mean, the Maybe. only people I think that should get ownership in the NFL are players like Mahomes. Certainly not people who haven't done anything in the league yet. But if things get a little weird, shoot your shot is a good life lesson, though, Ari. <laughs> yeah. Do shoot your shot if given the platform. But mm-hmm. here, speaking of shooting your shot, Drake May at 5-1 to one right now to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft is kind of worth a flyer, not only because I think the NFL teams are going to – trust me, dude, when we get to February and April and we have draft coverage, dumb. this is going to be a discussion point. And second yeah, of all, I think so. if Caleb does something crazy and comes back and keeps cashing in those checks at USC because he doesn't like Chicago Bears or whatever and it wasn't one of the five teams that he supposibly wants to play possible, for, possible, you might be able possible. to cash a 5-1 to one ticket there because I actually think that Drake May is a better NFL prospect. We can get to that. So, yeah. Dave, we have a lot yeah. of close calls here. We can go yes. down the list here. Let's go to close calls with we'll some big-time games. Why don't we start with Alabama? Alabama, I believe, was down thirteen to nothing in the first half at home. Twenty to, to seven and a half as well. Um, mm-hmm. and then gave up another touchdown. Twenty seven nothing in the second 13. half. Yeah, 
And then they just blew Tennessee's doors off in the second half at home. Um, what is your take on Alabama? And we starting to just accept the reality that they're Atlanta bound yet? Or are you, uh, you still kind of no? Nope. to see I mean, they lose? I, I, I'm just impressed with this team's toughness because they don't wow you. They don't have any sort of um, intimidation factor with teams. Teams don't walk in that game being like, I hope we can contend. Like, Bama's been in a bunch of games. And there have not been in games where it felt like, well – you know, Bama's keeping them at arm's length, and they're not, like, they're in position to lose some of these games. I thought they were going to lose this game at multiple times today, and I, I was texting with a friend of mine, and I said, if, if Tennessee scores here before the half, they're going to win this game, and they did not. They scored at the half and still did not win. I think it was huge for them to get a touchdown in two plays to open the second half. That's the kind of thing that sets a tone and, and really – Turns a two deficit or two score deficit into okay. Now this is a football game we're playing now, and I, I just am really impressed with this Alabama's team, Alabama's team's toughness mentally because to to sort of not flinch, not panic uh, in a situation where they were really getting dominated, looked a little lost offensively. The offensive line was doing what the Alabama offensive line has done a lot this season and really struggled. But they just kind of keep pounding, get some defensive stops, make a couple plays, and and just outplay a pretty good Tennessee team that's probably still going to win eight or nine games this year. Uh, so this is not a great Alabama team, but it's a team that keeps finding ways to win games, obviously is still talented, does still have a bunch of big bodies, and every now and then you see guys kind of pop, and they're learning how to play this game and run this offense uh, around Milrow. Uh, and, and allow him to do the things that he does best, which is run and chuck it deep. And this is a ugly Bama team that's also fun. You know, a lot of those ugly Bama teams, the early Saban teams with, you know, A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy and, like, Jake Coker, those were not fun teams. This Bama team is really flawed, but they're, like, one of the most fun Bama teams, like, since that first, uh, you know, Tua team when they were, like, scoring 100 points You want to know what the difference with this Alabama team is? And maybe this is just <clears throat> me watching it as a spectator. Mm-hmm. But so many Alabama teams were just like, you cannot lose. There's so much expected of you. You have to be perfect all the time. You're the best team. You can't let people down. And it's like the ship sailed on Alabama a month ago, and now they're just kind of just playing football. And week by week as they play football and they keep winning games, they become more and more relevant and more and more relevant. And like, hell, man, I'm I'm here for a big-time Alabama-Georgia game in Atlanta. Like, I think that yeah. college football needs that this year. I want superpowers back. All right, we should a, throw this I, out to the people, by the way, because I feel like we should uh, – the idea of a championship week live until Saturday event. I've been kicking this around. We I feel like we got to do this somewhere. Maybe that's Vegas. Maybe that's say Atlanta. Say it again. Say it again. What do you mean? This uh, The first city you mentioned. Maybe it's Vegas. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe it's Vegas. Maybe it's Vegas. <laughs> Either way, uh, but I feel like I feel like just rent out some place and and have our listeners show up. The problem, Ari, is that there are actual college football fans in Atlanta. I don't know how many there are in Vegas, but I feel we like we had a great time in Vegas football. last year when we did it. Met some really yeah. good people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to do it at a grungy casino in the South somewhere. Like, I want to do it in like Lake Charles. <laughs> there aren't any. Louisiana. Yeah, there aren't any of those in uh, in. Uh, so what's the what's the casino t- tunica mississippi you know how many nights i've spent there i've spent zero nights in tunica mississippi i've spent one the in cigarette Memphis. smoke and the in the poker chips god that's my that's my heaven um well you know it's you and 
you know, I'm the kind of guy that'll walk into a casino in Reno on Tuesday night alone and just just chill by myself in front of or the table. Or in Cherokee, I mean, Oklahoma. Where, where yeah. It's not about the glitz and the glamour and the shows and the double-decker burgers. Just, just <laughs> let me just sit at a table um, and, and gamble like like gambling is the main event. I like. I still casinos. feel like a Friday night show uh, in Atlanta would be very fun. Do a it live show, fun. hang out, watch the Pac-12 title game with the people. Uh, and then go cover the game on Saturday. If it's, yeah, and then go uh, cover the game on Saturday. Yeah. And then go to Vegas um, for NFF uh, after that. So. Alabama's remaining schedule is LSU at home next weekend. Tough Two one. weekends from now, sorry. Um, by week then, mm-hmm. LSU. Then at Kentucky, Chattanooga, and then Auburn on the road. So I think that, you know, who knows what's going to happen that LSU game? They beat Army by a hundred. Um, it's in Tuscaloosa. In Tusc, it's uh, maybe uh, a really good game. Maybe Alabama loses. I don't think anyone's shocked if they lose, but Alabama looks like the team that's going to be undefeated in the SEC going into the Atlanta game um, yeah. and playing Georgia. And I think that that would be nice for the sport to have this year. So Washington, by the way, may go into the halftime with zero points here. Yeah, which, I don't know I what, what I'm the watching. prop bet with that with that have been, but I mean that's listen, crazy. we're gonna we're gonna be hung up here, and then I'm gonna go check out the live mechanism here. And uh, <laughs> wife's the been question is, for are, two are we gonna already, are we gonna so. have to come back tonight if Washington loses? I don't hey. think I am. I don't think I have that in me. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. We'll see what it's like when we get to the end of this. Okay, next <laughs> close call, and I think you've been dying to talk about this one: mm-hmm. Texas and Houston. Um, Weird game, Ari, because Weird I, I, I kind of wasn't really – I don't think Houston's very good. Uh, I was surprised that they uh, played the way they did against West Virginia last week, and then it felt like a letdown spot when you win a game like that. So I kind of had it on, like, GameCast. I had, so I have my setup. I have my main TV when I'm at home where I have sort of can control all the elements. My main TV, my office TV, and then I have my uh, – I have a laptop with the four – the self-created multi-view. I think I had Texas on one of those. And then when they went up 21, nothing, I switched it. And then all of a sudden it was 21, 14. I, I don't know. Ari. I, it was, that's a weird game because Texas won that game. And then all of a sudden got dragged into this street fight and had to go win the ball game and do so without Quinn Ewers, who, uh, might've, May it might have had a, a shoulder issue that that smelled like an AC joint situation to me. Well, I didn't see the hit live. I watched it after. That was a bad hit. That looks like like when you see a lot of the AC joint sprains. It's when you see quarterbacks get driven into the ground. But he got hit hard enough that it was you know pretty. That didn't look good. That did not look good. And when you're leaving in a sling, they don't. Sometimes guys leave in boots or show up or have boots during the week, and it's not that big of a deal. A sling's kind of a big deal. Yeah, we don't I know how be... severe the, the injury no. is. What I do think is possible um, is that we're going to get to see more Malik Murphy. And if we do, I Man, think that he's... we might be having a conversation in two or three weeks of like, how is this guy not starting somewhere else? Like, I Well, think that, he might be I, next year. I, I don't think yeah, that the Yeah, but I'm saying that the fact that he's on to... this team, if Quinn Ewers is out for a few weeks, I think that Texas can remain unscathed uh, with – well, Kansas State he, and let, TCU Ari, and BYU let's not get coming ahead of up. ourselves here. I, I like what I see with Malik Murphy, but he's also like never played. So I, I think that I'm he is good enough to him. help Texas beat overmatched teams in the next few weeks of their schedule. Now, maybe in two weeks when they yeah. play Kansas State, that gets a little grab assy. But BYU, Kansas State, by the next way, week. But are, aren't you going to give me like crap for like Texas almost losing? And we got to say the one thing yeah, you didn't say if you weren't watching. But I expected it, Ari. Uh, I will say Kansas State got is in a weird hosed spot at the end of the game with a weird spot. Did you see that? 
Yes. It was a fourth down spot, spot that they didn't get, and it just – or a third Even down Tillman, spot that was a first down. We got a Tillman Fertitta tweet after the game with the, the spot circled. It was a crazy spot. I saw it live and thought it was a first down, and I was kind of looking at other games, and all of a sudden – I thought it was a first down. Real- I didn't even know we were measuring it. Yeah, I didn't either. And they were running a play, that weird sprint out play, and I did. I looked down in the middle of it. It was fourth down. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened yeah. now? So Texas, you know, kicked ass, let their foot off the gas, quarterback got injured, helped by a late call, continues their uh, ability to not lose to overmatched opponents. I was a little bit nervous today. I don't want to have the podcast with you about, like, Texas lost to BYU. Like, I just don't want to do that this year. So, you know, I Listen. thought there was a chance – the K-State uh, thing with Will Howard and Avery Johnson, buddy, K-State might be hitting their stride. 41-3 today against uh, TCU. We don't need to talk TCU, which TCU might be, for, for everyone who is annoyed at all of the Colorado brouhaha of the first month of the season, blame TCU because that is an ugly loss from a team that obviously is not as good as people thought they might be to start the season. I mean, that was like a top 15 team to start the year and obviously they're not one of the 15 teams 15 best teams in the country. But K-State, man, they've had some rough some rough moments and that Mizzou loss looks a lot better as Mizzou starts piling up wins and the K-State Texas thing, you know, I, I, that's going to be interesting. People were giving me a lot of crap about Texas. Why don't you believe anybody? Texas stinks. We told you before the year started. Like, it was already happening today. So, I can kind of I have never said Texas stinks, just for the record. You no, know, but it's saying, like, Texas stinks. If they tell you who they are over the last 10 years, yeah. uh, why don't you, you know, believe them? All, all the things that I'm going to get if and when they eventually lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to. But they were blessed enough to get out of the uh, game with the W. I think that um, it'll be very important to see how Quinn Ewers is doing. I hope he's okay. You never yeah. want to see a team's quarterback get injured, um, but if he is out for an extended period amount of time, uh, extended amount of time, uh, for an extended period of time, I'm excited to see what Malik Murphy can do because I know he's a super talented, large, massive human being who looked as solid as you would need him to look in closing out that game. So also five-star freshman running back CJ Baxter uh, in for the game winning touchdown. Mm. They have dudes on that team that haven't really become household names yet that are still helping them win. Um, I like Texas and and hopefully it'll be different for them this year. Okay. Another close call. Texas's rival. I don't know if this is just like hangover week or whatever, but uh, Oklahoma. I warned you. There was a minute there where I thought that they could lose that one. And I, Loved Oklahoma minus 19 in this game. Uh, that didn't work out well to my favor. I hit Oklahoma live in the middle of the third quarter when it was about even, and and that hit. But Oklahoma almost losing to UCF. What's going on in the Big 12 here, pal? Uh, I, I'm willing to just say, hey, everybody has a bad a bad week. I, I think Texas took the took the uh, the foot off the brakes. They were looking really good early. Uh, Oklahoma. I don't know, man. Oklahoma just didn't play very well today. I, 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 I kind of bought into Oklahoma, uh, seeing what they did in Red River, but this offense has some weird moments, and and UCF has really struggled this year, uh, has not really done much of note, and has had some rough losses as well. But for 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 Oklahoma to do that against a team that it should be overmatched against, coming off of an idle week at home. That's it's a it's a red flag, but 
I'm willing to I'm willing to give Oklahoma somewhat of a a, a mulligan on this and that everybody has a bad game. I think what they did against Texas impressed me enough that you start adding up these kind of eh performances. Like the Cincinnati game obviously jumps off the map. Uh, this one is right there with it. SMU was not bad, but they could have been more impressive there. But you still have that Texas win in your back pocket. So OU is is that today's concerning. But I I need to see like one more of these where OU because you have built in trust with OU because of how Somewhat. awesome they were for a different coach. You were just I don't like, actually with this trust. team because I don't I don't know how like what what a what a Brent Venables team that is capable that isn't beat up and has a rebooted roster with a bunch of transfer uh you know situations like they had last year. I don't know what that looks like. So we'll see what Oklahoma t- looks like when they're chasing perfection under Brent Venables, but Today was concerning. Today was concerning. Yeah. Um, I do think that you can't just get like too crazy uh, overwhelmed by one one result. So we'll, we'll give them a pass there. Okay. Do you want to get to USC getting bullied again? We should. Uh, it sounds like in the chat that uh, Kyle Whittingham just announced that Cam Rising is not playing this year, which I think... The tea leaves were, were trending that way, and if you're going to pick a time to do it, the time when Bryson Barnes rises up. Uh, and That run at the was, end of the game, holy crap, man. He was he working at Lowe's not long ago as a walk-on. Shout out to Bryson Barnes, man. Uh, I believe my, my friend Shahan Jayaraja over at CBS, I've known Shahan for quite a while, uh, said he's the most Matt Saracen player in college football. I would say that that fits. Is he taking care of his grandma? Probably. He. I mean, the thing that when you have a guy working at Lowe's not that long ago is is very. That's very cool. Yeah. Um. So USC is just now officially dead, uh, mm-hmm. in the national discourse. They have a very very brutal schedule coming up at the end of the year. Um. Are we just at the point now where uh, they're Riley not relevant? It's like it's like I don't we don't talk about them anymore. Like what is there to speak about? They're already gone. They to, are who they are, to, and they've lost enough. Where you know, like, it, it, USC the most is incredible sort of the, thing about the game, Dave, is that they had they you tweeted this. They bet on their defense. They were down by stop. eight points, I believe. They were down by eight points, um, with like three minutes to three thirty left in the game. They faced it. a fourth and twenty. They kicked the field goal. It makes sense. It's fourth and forever. But you bet on your defense. They had two timeouts left with three minutes left in the game. They get a stop back. Zachariah Branch, kick return or punt return, sorry, all the way down to the 11-yard line. One play later, Caleb runs it in. Mm -hmm. They don't get the two-point conversion, but they leave a minute and change on the clock. And then, sure enough, their defense trots back out there again, fresh off of a stop that I didn't (laughs) think they were going to be able to get the first time. Let's Let's Utah just... March down the field with no real uh, pressure there and kick a game-winning field goal to end. It's just like, God, they don't play defense. They're a bad team. They're a spectacular quarterback, and I don't know what there is left to say about them. Well, they're they're the they're the inverse of Iowa, Ari, in that we knew this is who they were. You could see the flaws the first month and a half of the season, but they keep winning, so they're going to stay relevant, even though you know – like we've said all season, the bear was coming for him, and Bear Alexander 
cost him tonight. Uh, some some rough penalties from him, especially that one on that final drive. But now they've lost, and they'll probably fall out of the top. Tw- I mean, definitely out of the top twenty. We'll see. I imagine they might hang in the top twenty-five. But this is who they are, and we knew once the schedule toughened up that they were going to lose games. I don't know that I thought they were going to lose. I mean, they're, they're trending in the eight and four direction now. I don't think I thought it was going to quite get that bad. But we've we've we are right, we've been on this. We've said Oregon and Washington were on another level. Um, maybe they're not on Arizona State's level, but you know there are two teams that looked more complete, and you eventually those things bear themselves out over the course of a season, and, and that's what we're seeing from USC. It's just like they had the Heisman winner. The Lincoln storyline is interesting, so we're going to talk about them. But the flaws are showing up. Yeah, it's just uh, an average team with a spectacular quarterback who. Yeah. Jeffrey Chen here just said, honestly, what motivation does Caleb have to even play anymore? He's not going to win the Heisman, no playoff chances. And I guess if you were going to be bolting uh, to the NFL as the number one overall pick, uh, you could just go get a nice condo in Malibu and, and train for the next few months and get drafted number one overall. But as we said in the beginning of the show. People always say that, but you guys are not built like that, are you? I, like, they, like, I they, it, like the game, it's dangerous, all these things, but like it's fun and you have a loyalty to your guys. I... I on paper, yes, that makes sense. I understand. Is there a discussion the reaction, to be had, but... though, about whether or not you think he is a general generational NFL quarterback draft prospect? Well, generational in general is a term that is overused. I don't think he's generational in that, like, if you're an NFL team, you got to. But Trevor Lawrence gotta... was, right? Presumably. I mean, he he the way people talked about him, yes. That was him through high school of like this guy is like the next Joe Montana. Like this guy's gonna change everything. And he for the most part lived up to the hype. We're seeing him kind of come into his own. It was a little slow. He got stuck with a year of urban in uh in Jacksonville that kind of uh sort of was an arrest development situation with him. But now you got Doug Peterson, you got some weapons around you. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, uh, Christian Kirk, all those guys. So we're seeing that generational. No, I, he's the number one pick. I think he can be an NFL star. He can do some amazing if you were starting things, an NFL, I don't get that. Or if you were hired to be the GM of an NFL franchise who had the number one pick next year, would you take Caleb or Drake May? I would want to here. Here's the thing. I would want to have some really like psychological study of these guys and, uh, and get some, get the, get the private eye, like get the coach Intel because I'm not a big, like those guys obviously both have the physical talents. I don't, I I think Caleb has an edge to him that can really pay off, but I want to know like the, the whole thing of like, do you love the game? Is this the only thing you really care about? Do you, you know, are you obsessed with watching film? All of those things. It's the it's the how much do you love it and how much like the 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 internal, the mind stuff and the commitment to it. That's that's what I think really separates because the talent is there. So I would probably go with Caleb, but I, I think you could go with with Drake as well. I the, the main thing that that strikes me with Drake is we get some some stink bombs from him like once or twice a season that I'm not sure we ever get with Caleb. And that, that would worry me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so long USC next year. We'll talk it's been about fun talking you about and, him. And maybe, maybe we'll, uh, maybe, maybe Caleb will still be on the team. 
and Ubbin can get you all fired up for that week 10 game to see if you can be the 12 seed because that's uh, <laughs> kind of where it's, it's headed right now. Also, I mean, just like, for the record, the, the chat seeding keeps, everybody. The chat keeps bringing up Michael Panix. Guys, Michael Panix is old, which will hurt him. He's torn both of his ACLs. He's also had another shoulder thing. The health, like Michael Penix, is at probably at best a day two pick, just mostly because of the health thing. You can if, Ch- to cry if Chicago about it, but has the first two picks in the draft though, and they're like no longer in on fields, like just the notion of getting Caleb Williams and Marv or Drake May and Marv is like the most insane. Like, dra- like how could you get a fan base more fired up than that draft hall? Like it does up, like right? it, the more hype. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in in franchises like. The competence of a franchise matters almost as much as the player. I'm just saying, itself. if you're a fan, well, if you're a what fan, could get yeah. you more excited than that result? Not much, but I would also have not a lot of faith in my coaching staff or my front office. To if you're a right. Chicago Bears fan and they take those two guys, there's I'm nothing more invigorating April you could possibly have. It would be uh, it would be the most euphoric offseason coup ever. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. 
Okay. Here's yeah. another game that we need to talk about. And yeah. broke my heart in a big way today. Because mm-hmm. uh, Duke plus 14 and a half did not hit. Um, Florida State, Duke. Mm. For a minute there, Florida State was looking a little iffy. Uh, we were wondering if the ACC was going to die uh, tonight. Florida State turned it on in the second half. Beats Duke 38 well. to 20. Did they turn it on, or did Riley Leonard hurt his ankle again? <laughs> Riley and Riley Leonard hurt his ankle. They won thirty-eight to twenty. It seemed like there was a chance they could lose the game. It felt Duke's, weird. I think Duke had like five yards of offense uh, after Riley Leonard hurt his ankle. I mean, we said this on Thursday, Charlie. I said if Riley plays, Duke's going to cover. They're going to be competitive. If he doesn't play, they're going to get spanked. And we saw this He's seven for sixteen uh, for sixty-nine yards passing and an interception before he came out of the game in the second. I'm half. not. I know that already, but okay. there's something to be said for like if you watched when he came out, and especially once they took the lead. Their D-line was teeing off on Beelan. Like, he couldn't do anything. They were just bringing guys and and stuffing the run, and the, the offense completely shut down without Riley Leonard on the field. So, regardless of the numbers, there is a respect factor that Riley Leonard commands that Beelan does not, and there's a reason why they just couldn't do anything, and then Florida State just mowed him over, and the offense caught up. That throw that Jordan Travis had to Keon Coleman – was unbelievable. The one that he caught basically with his thighs. Like they showed the they showed the 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 sort of the Madden view of that throw. That window was tiny, and oh my goodness, that dude, man, both of those guys, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, stud town. Uh, Florida State, that's a dudes everywhere team, Ari. Yep, dudes everywhere team. Next games are at Wake Forest, at Pitt, home against Miami, then North Alabama, and then the rivalry game. With Florida on the road. Mm-hmm. I will say, was, Mark, we got to give a shout out to, I don't remember who it was that tweeted it at us today, but they said that we should start calling the Big Ten West the Duds Everywhere division. It is the Duds Everywhere. Okay. <laughs> That's a really good segue for Duds Everywhere. I got yes. a lot on my chest. Okay. I was in All Vegas right. last week. I was having good a good on, time. I was getting loose with my buddies, watching the NFL games, having some drinks, you know, having, you know, a little time. <laughs> I read your column last week about Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I understood the point you were making. It was a fine point. <laughs> but I didn't think they deserved it. Like, I, I don't know if it's just me, but the little old Iowa is going to make the playoff or is four quarters away from the playoff or <laughs> is going to make it to Indy despite the fact they don't have an offense. Like, this cute little story about Iowa. Like, I started resenting it because I can't I, – I'm disgusted by Kirk Ferentz and what he's doing to that program. It's tough to watch, and, and like, that makes it tell you, compelling to watch. So we have to talk about the way Iowa lost first. So mm-hmm. Iowa lost uh, approximately six days after Dave's column, so we can finally just put it. Am I, am I still playing Indy? I don't know. I haven't done the math. They're a but, game behind Wisconsin, but they've got the tiebreaker. They've so. got the tiebreaker. Iowa lost to Minnesota 12-10. to 10. With two does. minutes remaining in the game, Iowa returned a punt for a touchdown. Cooper DeGene. But it got called back because he was flailing his arms around and people were confused by it. And then they called it a dead ball. Was it fair? Kate, they, fair they call it an invalid signal. Invalid which, signal. I mean, you it's see, confusing. You see that motion a lot on punts, which basically means get away. But it took a fair bounce. And sometimes punt returners, you see that. That's not what he where did, it, though. It, 
but he yes he did he did the getaway he's he, doing this with one his hand right was, arm but one hand was kind of high and he they asked him after the game he's like i've never signaled for fair catch with my left hand in my life it was kind of hot but he clearly was signaling for everybody to get away but then it took a friendly bounce and he thought he could run up on it anyway he returned the kickoff for a t- or the punt for a touchdown mm-hmm. they called it back iowa got the ball with uh roughly a minute and a half left and through a um, pick Obviously, they didn't go anywhere. So, Iowa lost the game. I was tickled by it. Now, let me say, I respect Iowa fans. I respect that they keep showing up. I respect the people. I think they're great. They love their team. They support their team. They have rational expectations. All I, I could not say anything nicer to Iowa fans, and I want you to know that I'm with you on this. That said... I am very, very, very happy that Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz can't keep getting away with this. You don't deserve to smirk for a 17-12 to 12 win when you're not investing in your team and your program the right way. You are abusing the state of Iowa. You're abusing the university, the program, and its fans uh, in order to line your pockets uh, in your son's pockets. I don't want to talk about how cute it would be if Iowa made it to the Big 12, Big 10 championship game. I want them to lose. You can't get away with this. They're not trying. It's not fair. It's a mockery. I find it disgusting, and I'm glad that they lost. Because the only way that we'll get change in Iowa City, the drive to 325 or whatever it is, is by failing. We can't, we can't validate Kirk Ferentz and his son with winning games and making us I don't want to hear in a press conference, well, we played in the Big Ten Championship game. I don't want to hear it. I'm tired of it. It's a mockery. It's disgusting. I hate yes. it. All true. Are you with me on this? Or, like, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, no, I'm I, with you. I think that's like, a, Do I Iowa think fans even care that they lost? Or are they like, finally, we're going to get some change? Like, from, the thing from that what is I so understand. sad about this is that you're putting Iowa fans in a position where they don't even know if they want to win or lose. Yeah, well, from what I... I talked to Scott Docterman, our Iowa writer, a little bit about this last week, and... He said that there's a lot of people who would rather lose um, and get him fired than than win and keep doing this. And that's a complicated question because you're talking about the macro issues from the program and uh, what's best for the program long term. And also, if you're watching games every Saturday where you might score one touchdown and you're probably not going to score against the Penn States and Ohio States of the world, like... At the end of the day, you want to win games, but this is entertainment, right? And if you're devoted to this team that's deeply unentertaining, that's a problem. That is a problem. People like to spend their fall Saturdays doing this. So I'm with you on this, Ari. This is part of why I am so entertained by this chase, because it does fly in the face of trying to build and trying to chase greatness. And I, we, we've mentioned this before. I don't know how you can look at that product and say this is what gives us the best chance to maximize our program. That's it. That is what it is. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe they'll still play an indie. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They're t- they're they're coach. Well, and they're here's the thing, Ari. Who in the West does? The West is terrible. I just kind of feel like Iowa isn't trying. At least. That's probably fair. But other teams are trying, and they can't, good. I and just, they can't beat like Iowa, not, so what does that mean? 
Yeah. I, Wisconsin lost to him at home last week as a double-digit favorite. That's listen here, too. Next year when the divisions disappear, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. They, they, yeah. they moved the ball two yards for the entire second half. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, think I don't about know that. what I don't know what's crazier, that or that they did that and probably should have won this game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just like it's like the Jesse Pinkman. He can't keep getting away with it. That's how I <laughs> well, feel every time. Another week, when another they returned week that punt for a touchdown, I was like, they cannot keep <laughs> doing this. <laughs> well, not only that, Ari, but let's also that defense didn't give up a touchdown today and lost. And a couple of those field goals, if I'm not mistaken, were very short fields. It's they had it's a couple a sack fumbles uh, deep in their own territory. I mean, it's if you don't give up a touchdown and you don't win the game, you got to do some soul searching. And the problem is that they did that, and it didn't. It's not. It's surprising, which is a problem. We should be saying, "How did that happen? How do you not give up a touchdown and still lose the game?" We should be. We should be wondering. This is a crazy statistical oddity. No, it's Iowa football. It's a problem. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is disrespecting his program, his state, and his fans. That's all I got to say about it now. Okay. Let's go to your alma mater, Dave. Mm-hmm. Mizzou laying, laying the yep. wood on, on yep. South Carolina. I we got you. a post-game outburst from Shane Beamer again. And this one about the size of the post-game media room. I don't know if you saw that, but it was great. There's some construction um, going on. There's the nothing game, uh, situation funnier for to me is not great. than like anticipating what Shane Beamer is going to say in a news conference <laughs> after his team loses. But Mizzou is in a really interesting position right now, Dave. They yeah. beat the crap out of South Carolina 34-12. to They improved to 7-1. and They've got a week off now, and they're hosting Georgia for <laughs> their next game. Oh no, they're no, they're, that's Georgia. in Athens. It's in Athens. They're in Athens, but they got two weeks to prepare. Seven and one. Also, I'm going to the Florida Georgia game next week. Mm-hmm. Maybe a potential for grab ass there. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Mizzou. Well, they should be eight and zero. Just for the record, they were up fifteen on LSU and coughed that game up at home. But this is a weird season because the offense is so much better than everybody could have thought it was going to be. And the defense is probably slightly worse than a lot of people thought it was going to be. Uh, but ultimately, Kirby Moore has done a fantastic job uh, calling the plays in the offense. Blake Baker's getting it done as a defensive coordinator this year. And Brady Cook is playing you know, outside of Jaden Daniels, probably as good as any quarterback in the SEC. And when you have Luther Burden and Theo Weiss you know, out there, the running game's been pretty strong with Pete and Schrader. They got a bunch of good backs and their D-line. I mean, they're, they're a good team. Can I see a world in which they go into Athens and beat Georgia? That's hard to see. That I don't think that that's a real thing. But – they the idea that they could get to Athens and you know be seven and one maybe eight and zero, and you're playing for a lot. I mean, this is the highest stakes Mizzou game in a long time. I I don't remember. I mean, probably one of the SEC championships. Uh, I I think they were very big underdogs in both of those games and and weren't particularly close to winning them if I recall. Uh, but. This is some high stake. You're 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 playing in some rarefied air here, where you might be floating into the top ten, and you might that might be a top ten showdown in a couple weeks. So I I might have to go down there. I'm I'm intrigued to see. And as somebody a very smart person in the chat noted, no Brock Bowers, which 
We've seen enough from Georgia. I think that game, the Georgia decides that game. If the Georgia that played against Auburn and South Carolina shows up, Mizzou's winning that game, period. If the Georgia that showed up against Kentucky shows up, Mizzou has no chance to win that game. I think this is a very nice segue to a question I wanted to make sure I asked you before we got out of here. Okay. We posted on The Athletic our middle-of-the-season college football playoff picks at Ram on Friday. I think of the entire staff, Chris Vanini and I were the only two who did not pick Michigan. Yeah. We picked Georgia to win the national championship. And I'm, I'm wondering, from your perspective, we didn't talk about this, Michigan... Uh, hammered Michigan State, I believe, forty nine to nothing, and they keep the the death march. Hope they'll uh, hit those continuing. Michigan alt lines, friends. <laughs> yeah, um, and hopefully, did not steal signs and just kick the crap out of them. <laughs> Explain to me why you think Michigan is the clear cut pick right now, and is it possible that the Ralph Russo text is true, which is we're talking about Penn State coming into the weekend. We're talking about Ohio State exiting the weekend. We're talking about Florida State, uh, you know, other teams that are in the mix here. Is Georgia just on a collision course to three-peating? And you don't think that. And why has Michigan made you feel that they are the pick, not only to win the Big Ten, but the national championship? Well, I think it's kind of a coin flip between those two. I did think about it. I think they're clearly the two best teams in the country. I don't think either one of them is unbeatable. But for me, it comes down to the line of scrimmage. Uh Michigan's really good on both lines. They have what I think is probably the best offensive line in the country. Their defensive line is very good. They've been untested, but so what? There's something to be said for beating the, the crap out of people and what Michigan is doing. Uh, defensively, they're just really solid. And Georgia's been really up and down, and Georgia's still trying to figure out what they are. This Michigan team is a team that knows who it is, has leaned into that identity. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run a bunch of play action. They're going to set J.J. McCarthy up to make some some easy throws. Uh, And I think at the end of the day, when you look at the playoff last year, this Georgia team is demonstrably worse than it was a year ago, clearly. And this Michigan team is probably a step better than they were. And when you do all that math, it tips the scales enough for me to say, I I feel like the Wolverines are, are my pick for the champion. I'm very curious to see if this season is actually going to play out where we have seven legitimate contenders to win it all in on November 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just turns out that actually one of those 12 wins it, or if Georgia just has an easy path to the championship this year. You know, I, I don't know. Um, there are no teams. I want to see like Georgia and Bama in Atlanta, I got to say. that's Yeah, are you getting excited about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I, life on, that's, your life on the line right now, Dave. Uh, does Georgia lose a game this year? The whole season or regular season? Uh, regular season and SEC championship. Life on the line, no. But I will say, Alabama being in situations where nobody thinks that they're going to win, which there's a lot of football Scary. between now and then. But they don't play a lot of those games. And Ari, do you remember the last time that nobody thought Alabama was going to win a game? Um, what year was it? It was the 2021 SEC Championship game where they kind of limped into Atlanta and Georgia had been kicking the crap out of everybody all year. And Bama 
laid the smackdown on them. Bryce Young beat the so-called greatest defense in the history of the world for oh, yeah, 41 points. Like 50 points? Yeah, 40 41 points. points. But yeah. now Georgia got their got their championship a month later, got their revenge. But that's the last time and probably the only time in forever I can remember that Alabama took the field where most people were like, they can't win this game. And I think you're going to get some similar conversations if Bama gets to Atlanta. Okay, we're pushing 11.40 p.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. I want us to make sure that we get through the high five for G5. Let's Why do don't it. you take us through it, Dave, and then we'll uh, update people on, on what is happening. in the Michael Penis, um They just fumbled. Just, they just turned the ball over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what we're going to do if, if Washington ends up losing this game. I don't think I have it in me to come back tonight. I yeah, feel like I don't know. We'll, we'll have we to can... write something tomorrow or do something, but... <laughs> You know, we'll as come. you listen to, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll come back. It's it's late, but yeah, take us through the G five real quick here, Dave. Well, let's start with James Madison, who has a legitimate chance, Ari, to go twelve and zero and not make a bowl game. Do you care, Ari? Uh, sure, I like undefeated teams. <laughs> well. If there is not enough spots, James Madison will be the first team in there. And supposedly, James Madison and Jacksonville State, both of whom are not eligible for a bowl game, could play an exhibition game in like Hawaii or something, wherever they wanted to, uh, I think, legally. Uh, in general, I hope we get to these teams in the postseason. Uh, I understand the rule. The rule is in place well, because they don't Jack- want teams moving up. But uh, James Madison uh, is one of the best teams in the G5. Is that like a thought process? Yeah, they haven't really played a huge opponent, but yes, that is generally accepted. Well, explain to people why the rule's in, in, in existence. The rule is in place because they they don't want teams... You can make a lot more money in the FBS, and they don't want teams that aren't ready for a million different reasons. Facilities, money, roster, all these things, just jumping up into the FBS to make money because it behooves you financially. James Madison, Jacksonville State, these are not programs that did that. But that's why the rule is there. Now, James Madison, uh, the NCAA right now, the state of the NCAA in general, with transfers, with everything, we see this with Tez Walker, they're not wanting to do waivers. They're wanting the rules to be the rules. Now, James Madison obviously was ready, obviously should be allowed to play in a bowl game. But they're worried about, hey, if we grant them this waiver to say, okay, you guys can play in a bowl game, then their, their question is, are we just opened up Pandora's box? That's where we're at. So it's annoying. It sucks. I feel bad for James Madison. Hopefully there's a situation where there's not enough six and six teams and they get to play in a bowl game because uh, it's be outrageous if they're 12 and 0 and their season just ends there. So they win this week at Marshall. Nice win for them. Their defense is unbelievable. Uh, I watched that game. Marshall could not do anything. Uh, Tulane today survived with a late Michael Pratt touchdown to beat North Texas. That was a back-and-forth game. North Texas rallied, tied the ball game. Tulane, a tough team. Michael Pratt, very very uh, experienced. We've talked about how much we love him on this podcast. Even though Ari doesn't care about him, it's fine. Air Force, also undefeated, Ari. Beat Navy today. Uh, quarterback Zach Larry. I saw Larrier, the touchdown pass. I saw 94-yard touchdown pass. Was not supposed to play today, supposedly, and then did play. Uh, but uh, Air Force, another undefeated G5 team that will be, they're ranked, they're going to be in the mix. Uh, you never really know how the committee will handle these G5 teams and their resumes, so we'll see 
uh, nine days away, Ari, from the first uh, the, the first um, uh, playoff committee top twenty five. Toledo, as I said, they were going to do. Ari went on the road today, beat Miami to move to seven and one. Shout out to Jason Candle, DeQuan Finn, uh, and Grayson McCall hurt today. Yeah, they took him uh, off the field on a on a board uh, after a head injury. Uh, Tim Beck did say that he was fine. Uh, and it was just protocol. Hopefully Grayson is okay. Coastal got it done uh, against Arkansas State. Uh, closed out pretty strong there. So that is our high five for the G5. Ari, please wake up. Arizona We're ready to go. State. Did you, are you watching this game? <laughs> yes, I'm watching it. It went to commercials, so yeah. So you saw them punt on fourth and six from the Washington 36 right there? Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention to the context. I saw the punt, but yeah. It was fourth and six from the Washington 36. Hmm. That's a surprising decision from Dillingham there. Kenny. Kenny, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> what I don't know about that one. are you doing? Um, okay. Thank you guys for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. If you stayed up to listen to it live on YouTube, you are a special, special listener. We appreciate you very much. Our people. You are people. We are we are recognizing your names. We're getting your personalities. And we would love to hear your voices. So please participate in the Sunday Sound Off show tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this on Sunday morning on the podcast feed, then it is tonight. Sunday uh, afternoon in between the... Afternoon and night NFL game, please call 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852 to leave your questions, comments, concerns, insults, thoughts, wishes, prayers, anything. Your voices will be heard and they will be played. Um, If you don't want to leave a voicemail, you can also text that line for written questions. Uh, We will obviously air towards the voices because that's what makes the podcast sound best. Um, If you could rate, review, share, whatever you can do, thumbs up, screenshot, put it in your story, whatever you can do to help this uh, show grow, whether it be in the podcast feed or on the YouTube channel. Um, that's certainly appreciated. All right. My, um, uh, my wife does dramatic readings of the Apple podcast reviews and it's very entertaining. <laughs> does she read the ones where they're mean to you? Yeah, because she, do- she doesn't work on the internet at all. So she's not aware that the internet is very mean. Most of the time, to everyone, basically. And she's my, like, what's yeah. wrong with these people? I'm like, they're on the internet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't my know wife, <laughs> My wife is on Twitter, uh, just kind of off in the distance. You can't, like, no name or anything. Yeah. And she sees the things that people see and, and people... I just don't understand why the general temperament of a just the average person online is just hateful and mean. Like I don't, I don't know. Like, My people, wife is extremely not online, and it seems like a good life choice to me. But I don't understand because I, I would hope that the main baseline temperament of a person isn't that way. So what is it about Twitter? Um, it's just when you get the mask on, people do. When you have the 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 veil of anonymity, people are different. They're sort of the id. The id pokes itself. Uh, pokes itself head, pokes its head out today. I think. Uh, I think that's probably part of it. We should do a mean tweet segment. It'd be pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a mean tweet on a Saturday would be good. All of mine would be Tennessee fans. I mean, mad people that say some really a, a t- terrible things. <laughs> yeah, they I mean, do. Some people say like racist, disgusting things. So I mean, I, we, uh, it'd be like funny ones that we would do mean <laughs> tweets. And some of them are just like you're a terrible person. But I just like hope that. If you are one of the people listening to the show who likes to comment terrible things to people, that um, hopefully you've got more it, going on. It for doesn't. I in think your life once and, I got yeah, once I, I was in the business a few years, it doesn't really bother you because you recognize that 
on the internet, there's a silent majority that just consumes the content that they like and yeah. like just sort of leaves it at that. I do it with a lot of podcasts of people I don't interact with, but I'm like, I love that show or yeah. I love that post. And that just is what it is. So, you know, it, when I was like 23, 24, some of that stuff would bother me. But you get a little older, you realize I just some people suck. Have to it's fine. Go wrong in your life for you to get enjoyment or gratification or fulfillment being awful to somebody else you've ever met on the internet. Eh, but I'm happy that my know. life is fulfilling enough where I don't have to worry about that. And if you were on this uh, chat listening to the show, we really appreciate that. If you want to leave a review, let us know what you actually think. If you really want to be mean to us, call into the hotline. <laughs> yeah, I do want to hear the voicemail. <laughs> do it. Just do it with your real voice. You don't have to yeah. say your name. We don't know your phone number. Say, hey, yeah. this is Keith from, you know, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Ari, you're a real asshole. You know, like whatever you want to say, <laughs> we'll play defend, it on the show. We I can really defend my it. melting pot takeout. So yeah, listen. yeah, we'll, we're gonna have to talk about that. Whoever we have on the show on Sunday, <laughs> taking raw meat to cook at home is a truly bizarre behavior. <laughs> is it Ari, or is there a lot of it? And I realize, hey, that'd make a pretty good uh, dinner on Saturday. And it's very annoying on Saturdays if I don't like. I gotta get stuff to like make. Like at the house on Saturdays, that are, isn't that complicated because I'm watching games. I don't have time to go run and get food. I'm not going to make my wife go do it. She's kind of got her own stuff, taking care of the baby, all that stuff. So it's, it's uh, bizarre, Dave. Okay. Yeah. Listen, it's not bizarre. To Sunday, sound off on Sunday afternoon. If you listen tonight, really appreciate that. We care a lot about you guys. We're hoping to do the best show that we possibly can, and we're having a good time with it. We hope you're enjoying it too. Uh, for Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. That was the latest edition of Until Saturday. We will see you guys tomorrow.